Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Hey, everyone. The U.S. defeated Panama 1-0 on Wednesday in Kansas City to win their group at the Gold Cup. Joining me to try to glean something from this game is Henry Bushnell, a sports writer for Yahoo Sports who covers soccer regularly and has been covering the Gold Cup. Henry, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Adam. I've uh, been looking forward to this. And uh, Greg Berhalter did some squad rotation, so it makes sense that you did some. And um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. Greg is in. Greg's actually in Paris right now. He's going to go to the big quarterfinal tomorrow in the Women's World Cup. So I got the short end of the stick. So did you, I guess. Um, yep. <laughs> all right. So this was kind of a weird game. It turned out to be a less than first choice contest for both sides, as you mentioned. Panama made nine changes from their lineup that beat Guyana 4-2 on Saturday, and Greg Berhalter trotted out an entirely new starting 11. What did you make of that? Yeah, I thought it made sense. Like, I didn't have too many hot takes on it. Like, we we, we kind of know who, at least, I, I, I think we know who 10 of his 11 first-choice starters are at this point, and there weren't really any, there weren't really any lingering questions after the Guyana and Trinidad games that could be answered in this game, I didn't think. Like, I think... There are certainly questions still about this team, but there wasn't really anything that Panama and like a a Panama A minus B plus team was going to throw at us uh, that was going to throw at the U.S. that you know that Trinidad didn't um, and that other teams haven't in the past. Right. So I was I was completely fine with it. Um, and you know I guess my only qual- the only qualm you could have is that maybe we would want to see. Josie with some first team players around him um and we would would want to see like that relationship on field relationship with Tyler Boyd and Weston McKinney like those start to develop more but other than that like that's a pretty small gripe um and obviously it worked out in the end so yeah, yeah. I know it's good it. yeah uh, as you know as we said at the top 1-0 win that's nine points in three games in the group and I think we what do we scored uh 11 goals conceded zero yep so big picture it's hard to be too mad about it right um i'm not mad about it no yeah and it's let's be honest like it wasn't the greatest game um but i think that's completely okay and like the again they they only needed a draw so and you know they had as we saw you know pulisic came off the bench you know if if they needed a a late goal in the last 30 minutes they could have brought on some of the big guns and tried to go for it um and i and i do think it mattered like i do think you want to play curacao instead of jamaica like i think that's a somewhat significant uh, difference in the quarter so you you wanted to win the group and that reserve team still gave you a pretty good chance to win the group um so I, I liked it yeah okay yeah and got to give the first choice guys a rest uh exactly yellow cards the yellow card accumulation issue is a is a thing for McKenney particularly I think and I guess I was curious to see if any of the starters in this game could make a good impression and carve out a meaningful spot for himself in this national team. So let's go to the lineup. Um, it was Sean Johnson in goal, Reggie Cannon, Matt Miazga, Omar Gonzalez, and Daniel Lovitz across the back line from right to left. Uh, Will Trapp in the sixth spot, and then Roldan and Mihailovic in those all-important attacking midfield positions. And then Jordan Morris on the right wing, Jonathan Lewis on the left wing, and Josie Altador up top. Um Panama Panama's lineup I won't read the whole thing but like I said nine changes I think the two Harold Cummings was the has been a center back for them in all three games including this one 
Uh, otherwise, the back line was completely second choice. And then um, Gabi, Gabi Torres and uh, Jose Fajardo were up, up top as the strikers. This was their second run out as the strike partnership up top. Did you once, I mean, I guess I sort of already, already asked you this, but once you saw the lineup, did you, were you looking for anything in particular? To be completely honest, not really. Um, I think there are a a couple of things like in think about it in retrospect that are interesting. Like, especially when you think about like the skill sets and the styles of the, this back four is significantly different than the starting back four, I'd say. Um, especially like when you think about the mobility of the center backs, and obviously Lovitz is a much different player than Reem on the, the left. So I think it was interesting how the U.S. adjusted based on that, not just at the back, but further out the field as well. Um, but as you said, like I don't think there was a, maybe there were one or two players that could have made a case for starting spots, but I'm not really sure. Other than and other than Josie, I guess I'm not really sure anybody did. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I may disagree with you on that later, but I uh, not not vigorously, just a little yeah. bit. Um, was there anybody you really thought could win a starting spot here? Well, before the game started, I wasn't really, th- I, I hadn't really identified it, but I, I did think Matt Miazga made a case. Hmm. Uh, is he? He's not as fast as Zimmerman. I think that's that's yeah, the issue. Not as physically impressive in general. Yeah, right. Just not as quick. Not as, and um. But I thought he was I thought he was plenty polished on the ball, um, dominant in the air, like did a good job of pressuring uh attackers when they when they had their back to him and you know, poking the ball away. I, I thought it was a basically perfect performance from him, even though he he does have that half step slowness disadvantage. Yeah, that's fair. And and because and I think I do think that's interesting because that was you know him versus Zimmerman was one of those questions that we went into the tournament with like we didn't really know who was going to have have that starting spot we, we were pretty sure Aaron Long was going to be one of the two starters um, but we weren't really sure there um, but that said like Zimmerman hasn't really done anything wrong um, over the first two games not that he was tested too much um, and I do think the way they wanted to play uh, and the way they've I, I, they they definitely pressed more against Trinidad than they have in the past. Um, so against these weaker teams, when you're pressing like that, you, I think the athleticism is the number one quality you you need in the center back in, in in that for that type of game plan. And I think that's you know why Zimmerman is basically probably the guy there until until further notice. Yeah, you may be right, and it may be just that simple fact that he's more mobile than Miazga. But I I I get the sense when Zimmerman has the ball at his feet that something really good could happen and something really bad could happen too. Yeah, and I. You didn't get that sense with Miazga last night. Again, it's like cav- caveats all over the place, right? Right. Because <laughs> the, in all three games, the center backs were not put under a great deal of duress. Okay, so um, I think we should run through the sort of big plays. I w- are you looking at the doc? Do you want to? Do you want to take some of these, or should I just? I think you you should go, and I will I, I will chime in where where okay. necessary. Where I have sounds to good. Sounds good. Okay. So uh, 16th minute was the first, I, I thought, real chance from the U.S. It, was, it came to Altidore. Um, a loose pass from Mihailovic spills back in his direction, and then he wins it. He like wins a tackle to the feet of Jordan Morris, who, who kind of is brought to his knees by a defender on his back, but like rises to his feet and then slips a pass wide to Altidore, who pulls the shot wide. Kind of a broken play, but you know, uh, a real clear cut chance for Altador, and he didn't probably should have done better there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the main thing to talk about here is probably Josie. Like it, 
I thought I, I liked his movement. Like I thought it was like good recon, recognition recognition of space and you know, the way he just opened up wide at the center back. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, generally like I thought the rhythm of it was good. It was really just the finish was several yards wide and it, a, in a good four flight, or five yards. Yeah. Yeah, in full flight, you'd hope you you would like to see Josie finishing that. Um, but you're not gonna finish. You're not gonna. I guess specifically, you'd like to see it at least on target. But. Oh, well. So let's just stop right there and talk about because Althor is going to come up a few more times in the scoring summary. Obviously, well, what did you assess his performance for us? I thought it was okay. Um, it was. It's interesting. I think when you when you do lack match fitness, I think if you watch a player closely, you will see that sometimes the you know the the first touch and the movement just like isn't. It's it's not that it's noticeably bad. But it just like isn't quite what it is when a player is, you know, in in rhythm and and playing regularly. And I thought you saw that in some cases. Uh, but in general, he, he still contributes more to the buildup than Zardes does, for example. Um, and his, his passing is sharper. And there were there was one moment I forget. It probably won't come up in this in the summary. Um, there was one there was one moment where I think they they played it into Altidore's feet, and Morris ran beyond him, and Altidore kind of played like a first time ball around the center back inside mm-hmm. the fullback um, and Morris didn't I think they, it ended up running through the keeper um, and Morris couldn't quite get the angle onto it um, but that type of stuff like that that's that was like that was a pass that I immediately thought like Zardes doesn't play that fast. I, I had the exact same thought when I saw that yeah yeah mm-hmm. so it was that type of stuff that was encouraging to see um, and obviously you know playing with Morris and Jonathan Lewis on the w- wings is different than it's going to be like playing with Boyd and Ariola um, or and obviously different you know tens are different as well uh, but just to see that Josie has that range of passing and just that, that that range of things you can do to contribute outside of the final third um, was was positive in the box it was a mixed mixed bag I'd say is yeah that, is that your takeaway was? I, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, he 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 missed that chance. Uh, I'll talk about the second chance that he missed uh, right now in the twenty first minute. Reggie Cannon, who was bright all evening, I thought, right up until the edge of the box, and then he was less bright generally. But anyway, Cannon cuts in um, from the wing and then releases Roldan in behind. A clever little pass. Roldan lets it run past him, and then he goes down to the end line and cuts it back to Altador with a firm pass. Altador takes a great first touch. I was really impressed with that to kind of open it, open himself a window with his left foot to shoot. And But then he scuffs it, right? I mean, it looked like he kicked the ground before he hit the ball, and it, it went right at the – kind of dribbled right at the keeper from about eight yards. So another example of, like, you would hope that, like you said, you use the term full flight. When Altador's in full flight, he's, you know, he's pounding that into the far netting or even near post. Um Exactly. Yeah, and I thought like it was that 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 one was interesting because he did do everything right. Like as you said, he opened up his body perfectly, let it run across him and the defender, took it with his left foot. But then whether the and I thought the first touch was fine too, but it was like he just didn't get his feet right enough. I thought he was kind of lunging at it a bit. Um, and kind of leaning like, over or, exactly, or leaning backwards, leaning back. Yeah, and kind of lunging at the ball with his left foot, which is why he didn't get great contact on it. And I think if he's playing games regularly. Maybe he just, you know, he shifts his body slightly differently and isn't leaning back like that and can just bang it on the back of the net. Yeah. So that's, so I thought that those were two like examples of him not being as sharp as he should be in the box. And then I, there was a, there was another example where he was kind of flat footed uh, on a, I, I don't know if I noted it. Yeah. 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 It was in this, it was in the second half. I'll just jump ahead to it where we 
in the 59th minute, Christian Roldan played a ball to the back post for Reggie Cannon. It was almost identical to the, the second goal against Trinidad, except Roldan's playing the ball instead of Bradley, and Cannon is getting on the end of it instead of Lima. Cannon heads it back across. And if you you know rewind, 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 and watch it over and over again, you see that Altidore's just kind of standing there watching the ball fly over him as it goes to Cannon. And then all of a sudden it's like it's like two yards from Cannon. He's like, oh damn, I should be, you know, making a run at the goal. And he makes the run too late. And the ball's in exactly the same spot as it was when Sardis scored against Trinidad, but Altidore's not in that spot. And um there's yeah, another th- example. Yeah. Yeah, there were there were there were a couple times like that it felt like where crosses came into the box from either side and different types of crosses where there just like wasn't enough movement. And not this isn't just an Altidore thing either. I think it's a whole team thing it's a matter of late runners coming into the box as well there just like wasn't that anticipatory movement um to try to get on the end of something and when you when you have anticipatory movement it doesn't mean that you're always going to get on the end of crosses obviously um but it there just like wasn't enough of that at, at times uh but I, I think we're probably nitpicking a bit here yeah yeah okay so let's let's quit with the nitpicking another <laughs> chance another chance in the 30th minute uh for jonathan lewis this is the one we talked about earlier where um Mihailovic, actually we didn't talk about it, but anyway, Mihailovic drives at the top of the box, slips it just wide to Lewis, but the pass is slightly behind Lewis, and it takes him a takes him a beat to get his feet under him, and his shot is too slow, and it gets blocked. I will say one one thing that was interesting about this, besides the poor pass from Mihailovic, is that it started with pressure from Jordan Morris, who was very active, and um, you know his he did a lot of good work pressuring the back line for Panama kind of throughout the game. Yeah. It was also like a Sunday league, a couple of touches from that Panamanian defender though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I thought like that pressure was fine. I wasn't like super. What I did, what I did like though is the way that Morris. So yeah, he like forces the turnover and then they're kind of in like a odd shape. So I think it's him, Mihailovic and Lewis, I guess are kind of the front, the, the front three at that point. And it's basically a three on two. But they're kind of in a weird shape when the ball turns over. And immediately Morris makes this run, like, basically right to left, kind of across the formation. So yeah. that you have, like, a traditional three-on-two attacking structure where Mihailovic has the ball with Morris to his left and Lewis to his right. Like, imme- like two seconds after the ball turned over, they were in that position. And that's what uh, kind of allowed them, like, you for- he forces one Panamanian defender to commit uh, to Mihailovic. Um, but as you said, like, the, the ball to Lewis, probably just, like, one touch too slow a bit behind him and i think maybe lewis could have done a bit better with it a bit, a bit quicker but that's kind of how it broke down i mean he 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 definitely could have done better but he he, he would have done better had Mihailovic put the ball right in stride for him um and then now some panamanian chances uh 32nd minute omar brown breaks our press in on our left wing on the right flank kind of pirouettes around daniel lovitz and plays a ball in behind Miazga for Jose Fajardo, who had a couple of these chances. This is where Miazga's lack of pace shows up a little bit, and um, Fajardo's forced to shoot from a tough angle, and it's right at Sean Johnson, but it was definitely a moment of danger that perhaps Walker Zimmerman would have dealt with. I'm I'm not sure that's true either, but... Yeah, I thought Miazga, I thought Miazga did fine there, but I also, like... I would have liked to see what what he did if Fajardo... Like, Fajardo kind of settled for that bad angle shot yeah. um, rather than like going at Miazga in like a mini one-on-one situation. I would have liked to see how Miazga dealt with like a bit more pressure and maybe a better forward in that situation. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And then um, at this point, the, 
first half was really pretty not that fun to watch, I would say. Yeah. There wasn't a lot there wasn't a lot going on, but uh, five minutes after that chance for Fajardo, he got another one, a very similar ball in behind, kind of on a like a, a scramble in transition. And he does beat Gonzalez for speed and strength here. I mean, Omar, I I would say that Matt Miazga may be a half step slower than Zimmerman. Omar Gonzalez is like a step and a half slower than Zimmerman. And you could see it on this play. He was a, he was, he was beaten. And again, Fajardo's shot goes wide, but this was a shot from a better angle. It was, it just did, didn't do very well on the, on the finish. Right. Yeah. I was going to say like, if you were to rank these four center backs for just like mobility, yeah, I think it would probably like long and uh, Zimmerman are probably above average, like probably somewhat even, you know, at the top of that list. And then Miazga is a, average i'd say you know a bit below them and then there's a big gap yeah and then there's Lamar at the at the bottom of that list yeah it does it does sort of seem weird that he's in this camp and that he's on this roster to me but ah we've, we've there, all talked there, about there's it something a lot to be said for relationships with coaches and stuff like that yeah there is something to be said <laughs> for them for sure uh halftime comes no changes uh we already talked about the 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 Reggie Cannon header across the six that Altidore didn't get to in the 59th minute. And then in the 66th minute, the goal comes. Uh, a little surging run from Jordan Morris, who, again, I'll just shout him out. I didn't think he was amazing, but he looked like he looked like probably a solid depth option on the wing for this for this team, which cannot be said for a lot, a lot of players <laughs> on the field. And he plays another a little slip pass out to Cannon. Cannon wins a corner kick by just banging it off the first defender, which was kind of a theme of the night for him. And and then Mihailovic took the corner, drove it to, at the back post. Miazga, who is excellent on set pieces, rose and nodded it firmly back into the corridor of uncertainty where Panamanian defenders Kevin Galvan and Fidel Escobar kind of collide, and neither deals with it well as the Panamanian keeper Jose Calderon drifts out of the goal Ball gets deflected over to Altador, who uh, bikes it in from three yards out, pretty much. Good instinctive finish from him, and it's 1-0 USA. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, to go back to the thing you said about Morris, I do thought, I did think it was interesting that, you know, we think of him as like a pretty traditional, like, wide forward, and somebody's going to stretch a back line, and like when he was playing in previous games under Berhalter, he was, like, for example, when they were playing with that inverted right back, he was basically just like, sticking to the touchline. And he was that really, like, tr- true wide winger on the right. Um, here he was coming inside a lot, and that's what, like, led to the goal. He found, he tucked inside, found a bit of, like, a little pocket of space and, and like, took a good t- basically, like, skated by a defender in midfield, which you don't, don't, I don't think we, like, that's what we think of Jordan Morris being. Yeah, I was surprised. Um, I was surprised. Yeah, but it was impressive just to see him be able to do that and show, show that bit of versatility. Um and also, like, shout for, like, I think the, the ball that the corner that Mihailovic plays in, like, it seems a pretty, like a pretty simple ball, but I feel like it's harder to get right than it actually looks. Um, that driven like, ball? Yeah. Yeah, like, it had the right amount of loft that allows Miazga to kind of find it and just, like, beat his guy one, one-on-one in the air. Um, but it's also driven enough that Miazga can, can, can get enough on it to head it back into a dangerous area. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Um I noticed that you know to talk more about Morris tucking in. It's kind of it's kind of what Tyler Boyd was doing against Trinidad too. A lot of because uh, McKenney was dropping further in the in the field, and and Lima was going forward, 
like really stretching, uh, stretching up, up wide on the right wing. Cannon was doing the same thing. I mean, Cannon was basically a right winger most of this game. Uh, didn't look much like a fullback. And then uh, Roldan, who was kind of meek on the ball, you know, he's not going to be like, he's not going to be like probing that, that zone 14 area. Roldan was da- was back as well. So it's sort of, it's sort of like, rather than having an inverted right back, the system has sort of turned into like an inverted right wing, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it kind of happened like, so in the Venezuela game, they did a bit of both. Um, and you know, after they had done a lot of the inverted right back stuff in previous games. Uh, and I think in that game, Berhalter probably just realized that Lima was be- that it just worked better with Lima bombing up and down the r- right side. And it certainly, if Cannon's playing there, it certainly works better that way. Yeah. Um, and then there's kind of been a ripple effect after that of just, yeah, that means, you know, rather than the right back coming inside and the winger staying wide, if the right back's just going to play like a traditional right back, that right winger needs to come inside more and, you know, become almost another attacking midfielder. Um, so it's just kind of that, those, those rotations um, that, as Berhalter always talks about, Know, disorganizing the defense like that, that those types of movements um that that bit of unpredictability i guess um is, is one of the things that can do that i liked it i like to see that you know we there's like this clearly discernible adjustments going on uh pulisic had come on for lewis right before the corner kick was taken and then tyler boyd came on for morris three minutes after the goal uh 76 minute altador had a free kick that went over. Boy, we don't have anybody who can take a free kick on this team. We really don't, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like Pulisic, Pulisic's free kick against Trinidad just like went right into the wall. Altidore's, this one was a little closer, but still a good four or five yards over the crossbar. Yeah. And Josie has hit some, like, I think Josie's the team's best free kick taker, to be completely honest. Like, I agree. He's, I agree. Hit, he's hit some good free kicks throughout his career. Um, but yeah, as you said, like, Pulisic's really just not a good free kick taker at this point. And, I mean, I'd be interested to see Tyler Boyd on some of them, maybe. Uh, but I, I can't tell you that I've watched Tyler Boyd hit a ton of free kicks um, throughout his young career. So I, I have no idea what he would look like. And yeah, there's really nobody else at this point. Yeah, I feel like Altidore, I agree with you. Altidore's the guy, but um, maybe he needs to get back into form on that front a little bit. Um, so that's it. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how how much else there's to say about the action on the field. It was it kind of the game kind of petered out from there. Didn't seem like Panama really cared that much that we won. And that was it. 1-0. So, Berhalter spoke to... I want to set up the last section of the podcast with this quote from Berhalter because he spoke to Paul Tenorio from The Athletic and the interview was published earlier this week. I want to read one of the quotes when Berhalter defended the losses to Jamaica and Venezuela. Here's what he said. In the grand scheme of things, I don't like to lose games, but a loss to Jamaica in a friendly, how is that going to affect us long term? It's not. It actually has a chance to positively affect us because we're learning from it and we're gaining information and the guys are learning and we got to see young players in that game. I have a hard time taking negatives from games like that. I really do. There's going to be a time when we need all this stuff, all the information that we're gathering. There's going to be a time when we need it. To have it will be important. So if we're looking for new information from this game, and I'm going to take Mr. Burhalter at his word that he's doing that. Then what did what did we learn? You know, I'm actually going to. I actually think we learned. I'm going to flip this around a bit. I think we learned a bit about Burhalter um, and like what he's doing here hmm. because one of the so at least one of the criticisms that I've seen of him is that he's too much of a system coach to be a national team coach, and that he's like 
because you you obviously can't you know you can't go out and buy players that fit your system. You're kind of working with what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this thought. There was a, I think there was an idea, and maybe to some extent it was it was reasonable that he was bringing in not necessarily the best players, just the the, the players that fit his system and this system that he was kind of com- you know 100 committed to, right? And but I think we've seen him like now with you know obviously at the start. His idea was to play Tyler Adams in this inverted right back role, and that was a pretty significant significant part of what he wanted to do, like structure wise. He's 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 scrapped that basically for at least temporarily um, mm-hmm. with Adams not there once his personnel changed. And then I also think like I thought like the the way that they got into their attacking shape here was different. That you know the main difference, as I touched on earlier, I think was that you know now you had you had two fullbacks that want that could get up and down in Lovitz and. And Lovitz and Cannon instead of just one with the normal starting lineup because Reem is not going to be, you know, in that in that winger position high up right. the left. Right. So it was different. So the adjustment was rather than the way that they get into this like three two two three whatever you want three two four one or three one whatever like with that three man back line in possession yeah. is they usually just have Reem's Reem slides right a bit um, and both of the center backs slide right a bit. Uh, and then you get into that three three man structure with you know Bradley and sometimes McKenney right in front of them. Here instead of that, you know the, Will Trap, you know after the twentieth minute basically um, in possession was dropping in between the center backs a lot, which is something that we haven't seen from uh, the U the U S a lot under Burhalter so far. Uh, and both of the both of the fullbacks were getting pretty high up the field. Um, so and they still ended up in this like structure that Burhalter wants them to be in when they have the ball. But it was just like a different way of getting to it, and it was pretty clearly based on the personnel. So I think it's interesting to see him, and it and it's good to see him adapting his the structure of his team based on the personnel that he has on the field. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, and um, it is good to see. I uh, I guess my I'm gonna I'm gonna take my own question at face value, and uh, and talk about some players. I thought. Uh, Miazga, Cannon, Morris, and Altidore seem like they belong in, in this roster. Um, and I think Miazga, like I said earlier, could you could make a case that he's he's right there with Zimmerman or even above him. I think he's better than Zimmerman personally. I get the I get the half step slower thing. Um, and then I'm not I'm deliberately not talking about goalkeepers because Johnson didn't have too much to do and. I don't. I don't know that we anything changes there, but uh, Miazga was dominant, dominant, dominant in the air, and his set piece prowess really came in handy on that. On that, the game's only goal. I think that's a that's a real factor. He's. I think he scored four goals off corner kicks for Vitesse a couple years ago in uh, in the Eredivisie, and he's he's just good at that, and that's that's something that matters. And I thought he's just polished, and his line breaking passes were at least as good as Zimmerman's. And I didn't get that. Like I said earlier, I didn't get that sense like that the ball could kind of go anywhere like I do when Zimmerman is is striding forward with the ball. Zimmerman just seems a little wild. And I didn't get that with, with Miazga. Yeah, you know, now, now, that, now that you're talking about him, I actually, I, I do think that he was probably, yeah, he was one of the more impressive players on the field because not only, we talked about his involvement in the goal, like not only did he win the header, he was the one who played the pass to Morris that, like it, like in between the lines a bit. Oh, um, was he? That eventually led to the, the that eventually led to the corner and then the goal. I think so. Yeah, you know, I, 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 we we kind of touched on Miazga earlier, but yeah, it, it probably is just 
you know, neck and neck between him and him and Zimmerman. There's there's definitely not much distance between them. Yeah. So so there's that, and then uh, you know it's good, it's good to see Altidore score first goal since October 2017, and he did not score for the record in the Trinidad and Tobago fiasco. He scored against Panama, I believe. Yep. Um, he was awesome against Panama, by the way. He was remember. very awesome in that game. And it's good. I thought he I thought he looked pretty good. You know, he wasn't like we've we sort of discussed him at length. He wasn't great in the box, maybe a little flat footed at, at times, but certainly tidier receiving the ball when he dropped in than his colleague Jazzy Zardes is. And he had, like you said, he has ideas. You know, he'll he'll play that one touch pass in behind that you could never imagine Jazzy's artist playing. And you know, if Morris takes a different angle on the one that you described earlier, or you know, anticipates it a little better, he's in. And um, so, how would you handle the? How would you handle the strike? Like, who, 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 in your mind would start the would start the quarterfinal? I'd start Zardis again and give Altidore the last thirty minutes. I agree, and then Altidore semi. Yeah, yeah, and then Altidore yeah. from then on out. Yeah, I totally agree with that because I think again, I think I think Zardis is completely fine, and maybe even maybe not better, but almost just as good against the, the teams that the U.S. can dominate pretty handily, um, and I think we'd expect that's what Curacao is going to be. Um, yeah. But yeah, I really think you need Josie as that as that outlet, the more complete player against a team. Like, I mean, Jamaica's not great. The U.S. should be is, is better than them, um, but they're better. Than, Jamaica, Jamaica would be the best team that they've played in this tournament so far, I'd say. Um, so, yeah, I would, uh, I would, ho- I would hope that we would see Altidore, you know, semifinal and on. I mean, it was our B team. It was our definitely a B team that Jamaica beat in the friendly a, a few weeks ago. But didn't they outshoot us like thirteen to three or something yeah, like that? They I mean, were the it better. Was, team. It was yeah. a dominant. It was dominant. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think you know, on the negative side, if there was any doubt, there is no longer any doubt, at least in my mind, that Mihailovic and Roldan just. I'm going to go even further than I have it in the notes here. I just don't think they're good enough to be uh, on the national team. And, I agree. And I and I, so it would have been great to have Dwayne Holmes in this game. It's too bad he he went out with a quad injury because he would have been would have been great to get more information on him. And I, it's not that Mihailovic and Roldan don't do anything good. I think they did nice things at different points in this game, but it's just not like consistently good enough. There, it, it it's a little it's like what I'm talking about with Zimmerman, except worse. Like. Anything could happen when the ball comes to Mihailovic. Like he could give yeah. it, he could give it away and fall down. He could make he do, make a really nice touch and get past a guy. It's like who knows? It's a roll of the dice right. every time. And Roldan's a little bit that way too. Even though he did some nice things, including that pullback to Altidore, he's not he's not uh, he's not consistent enough. And I think with Roldan specifically in this system, you need somebody who's a little bolder on the ball. He's just too meek. He won't. He won't. He won't make a turn into space. He plays it back to the center backs. Things just start to get a little claustrophobic and super boring. And then people are like, "Why did I pay seventy five dollars for a ticket to this game?" So, yeah, I think it, it is worth just like noting that Mihailovic is still growing. Like maybe Roldan a bit less so, but Mihailovic still has room to grow. But I totally agree. Like right now, he's just. You know, it's interesting. You can see the technical ability sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah. But there are there are some players at international level who can kind of ride with the physicality and the speed of it, um, and their technical ability still rises above that. And there are other players whose technical ability kind of gets hindered and a bit disheveled by that. And Mihailovic is definitely in the latter category right now. And there <laughs> are times, yeah. There there are times that he's just not you know 
quick enough or strong enough on the ball um, to play play central midfield um, at this level. Yeah. Yeah, and then you see Pulisic come on the field next to him, and it, and you it really stands out. You know, Pulisic's quality. I'm not. This is not a podcast. I'm not a guy who's just like constantly talking about how Pulisic is the only player who matters in the American pool. I'm not like that. But you can see when he comes on the field, it's like different level, totally different level. Like every little touch. So, okay. Hopefully, hopefully some some new names will emerge and uh, some people will get healthy so that by the time October comes. Either Mihailovic or Roldan don't have to be on the roster, or they will have you know made steps forward in their game in the next few months. Uh, two uh, two more takeaways, which you can sort of bat down if you want. I thought Morris solidified his spot uh, off the bench, and Lewis didn't look great. I think he's probably in the Roldan Mihailovic camp, where he's he shouldn't probably be on the next roster. Interesting. I thought Lewis was. I, I had a more positive takeaway from. I, I agree that he's nowhere near the starting the starting lineup right now. But I I kind of liked what I saw from him, and I thought he brought a bit different dimension. Like, uh, I, I sometimes to me he looks cleaner on the ball than like Paul Ariola does, for example. I'm not by no means saying he should start over Paul Ariola, but I don't know. I liked I liked his energy. I liked his pace, um, and I thought he brought something to the game at least. Um, okay. But yeah, there's no there's no no big. Clowns to that statement. The, the other thing that I thought was interesting was, it's like Tim Ream has not looked great. I'd say um, no recently, and I he's definitely not the left back of the near future. I'd say, um, and so I was hoping to see something from Lovitz, um, and I don't think we really saw that. I, I I think he's another player who fits into this you know category that we we're talking about with Real Don and Mileage and maybe Lewis. Like I just don't think he's a national team player at this point. Yeah, probably not. The thing the thing that he has going for him though is he's he's a pretty good defender. Like he doesn't I don't I didn't notice him getting beat the way he got, Reem he got beat is. He, he got beat like in a I think I think you might have mentioned it like it, the US is kind of pressing a bit. It, it kind of led to a half chance to Panama and he got he, he kind of tried to make a challenge from behind, not not like a dirty challenge from behind, but just like tried to stay tight to a player and got beat um in the attacking half. Um, That's and I, yeah, I don't know. I'm. I think I would say maybe maybe not an open space, but like in terms of sound fundamentals, I still think Reem's a better defender than him. So, hmm. well, the other thing I thought that was interesting there is I, I think it was Jeff Carlisle, ESPN, um, who I, I said he, he tweeted that he asked Berhalter after the game if he considered playing Nick Lima at left back and Reggie Cannon at right back. Yeah, which is an interesting thought because Lima plays there at club level. Um, he's played he's played left back before. I think Burhalter said he hadn't even thought about it. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw that. I saw that. Which was interesting uh, because based on, I'd say, like, I, I would say that I think Lima and Cannon have both been more impressive than either of the left backs at this point. So it seems like it, at some point it would have been something worth trying. Um, but, it, again, no, no, not a big deal. I'm perfectly, I'm perfectly fine with, I'm not going to be up in arms if Tim Ream just starts every game the rest of this tournament at left back. Yeah, he may he may lose us the game against Mexico, but by just getting roasted. Because I I'm not sure I agree with you that he's a better defender than Lovitz. He's certainly more comfortable on the ball, and I, I guess I just say it's debatable who's a better defender. Uh, but um, it doesn't seem like there's a better option unless you know unless Greg unless Jeff just gave Greg a new idea and <laughs> Greg decides yeah let's try Lima at left back and Cannon at right back. Um, I would say uh, about Lewis, may I do appreciate that he can beat people 
You know, he can he can take it to the end line and and at least get his foot on a cross. Nothing, none of the balls he played beat a first defender that I can yeah, remember. Yeah, And and you got to imagine. I mean, is is he ahead of Tim Weah in the depth chart? Like, no, I don't think so. And then I hope I hope not to be completely completely honest. Yeah, I hope not to. And and I know I'm people laugh at me for being like such a such a proponent of the youth, but I would have loved to see a player like Ulianes in this in this game. I mean, it's there's no way it's ever going to happen. He's a youth player for Wolfsburg, right? But just like as a thought experiment, imagine Ulianes running up against uh, a second string Panamanian defender after he you know took care of a bunch of like first team French U twenties. Not first team France, but first team with their clubs in Europe, U twenties. I think he'd be just as good, probably better. So hopefully, you know, come quickly, Uli. All right. Any anything else? Any other any other learnings, as they say at in the TED Talk world? To be no, to be completely honest, not really. Like I think we've we've probably touched on all the important individual performances. Um, I'm trying to think right now, but no, there was nothing else. I mean, I do like I think we we, we touched on it earlier, but yeah, Omar Gonzalez like sh- should not be playing in any meaningful games anymore. But that's not exactly breaking news. Um, and I do think that like the U.S. pressed significantly less because he was on the field. Um, and w- when you don't have that mobility back there, it's it's tough to you know intentionally make the game more stretched um, and more you know disorganized and stuff. Um, but again, I don't think. I don't think saying Omar Gonzalez shouldn't be a national team starter in 2019 is is a hot take. It's not a hot take anymore, <laughs> but you know he 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 got to play in the Gold Cup at the age of 31 or whatever it is. So the U.S. will face Curacao in the quarterfinals on Sunday, a team that beat Honduras 1-0 and got a 1-1 draw with Jamaica on Tuesday thanks to a stoppage time a stoppage time screamer from Jurian Gari. Uh, Got any quick thoughts on ahead of that match in Philadelphia? I have not studied Curacao at all. I will be more knowledgeable by the time we kick off on Sunday. But uh, right. no, no. To be completely honest, no, no quick thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have any either. I, I, I guess I read somewhere that they, they, they're undergoing a project where they're trying to play. They're trying to play real soccer, and they did that at the last Gold Cup, and they went out in the group. And this year, they, they tried. They, they just stuck to their guns, and they, you know, they played pretty pretty decent soccer so i think it may not be as much of a pushover as everybody thinks but right they're not guiana they're definitely they're significantly better than that and yeah they were kind of like a sexy underdog pick coming into the tournament so yeah it could be it could be an interesting game all right hey thanks henry for joining me i appreciate it uh if if you haven't already you should read henry's piece on berhalter's tactical uh evolution i forget the headline what was the headline can you tell me no, I don't remember either. But uh, if you the, go to, I'll put the link in the show notes. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> and how do people find you? How do people find you on Twitter and other places? Yeah, mostly just Twitter at Henry Bushnell. Pretty self-explanatory. Um, I'm sure you'll see the name in the title of this of this episode or whatever. Um, and yeah, that's where uh, most of my most you can find most of my stuff. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see ya.